Do you want to hear the greatest story? Yeah, I do. Oh my god, Bon Jovi sound checking. We got to see this. But then we hear um, the guy whistling into a microphone. Yeah, it was John, and he goes, "The kids can stay." We're like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> nice. Thanks, thanks, Johnny. It was a small theatre, and we went upstairs, and there was a photo of Dire Straits, who did their very first rock blast there in 1982, which was just so cool. So these bikies got in touch with us, give us 500 bucks so you don't get your singer back. (laughs) Holy shit! Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers and sometimes wrestlers. I am your host, the Sizz Dog. How are you today, tonight, this evening, this afternoon? What is going on in your world? Man, it is freezing in Melbourne. What the frig is Melbourne doing weather-wise at the moment? Seriously, I might actually become one of these, you know, global warning, warning, warning nuts. You know what I mean? It's just like not hot when it's meant to be and cold when it's not meant to be. And it's like, it's all messed up, man. You know, but I'm just sitting here in the studio, got a little heater on trying to keep warm today because it is a little bit of a chilly one, um, as is our sponsor this week. But you'll have to keep listening to hear which it is. Um, also this week, I caught up with Carl Johnston, a.k.a. Omega, a guitar player and singer. We had a great chat. Came around the other night, um, you know, had a chat uh, about his career, um, and he recalls a classic story of his first ever gig, how a cougar was very forward in her advances, but you'll have to stick around to hear all about it. Art of Touring is brought to you every single Friday. You can listen to Art of Touring on iTunes or on the Google Podcasts app on your mobile devices. Um, or on your Android device, rather. And on Spotify, I think we're on as well. Um, We are apparently still part of this network, a lot of green.com.au, but again, um, they're not doing much, so I'm not sure if I'm going to keep spooking those guys or not. (laughs) Guys, tell friends about this podcast. Um, Tell them all about it. Uh, Tell them it's an interview-style podcast where Sizzdog sits down with a different musician or a performer or a wrestler every week. He sources all the the guests himself. He edits the whole thing himself. He he, um, markets the whole thing himself. Um, He's really, you know, it's a great pod. You should check it out. That's what you would say to your friends um, about the show, (laughs) I think. If I was trying to tell someone about the podcast, that's probably what I would say. Be like, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, if you want to chew away an hour, you know, listening to someone talk about their career and their origin story and a couple of laughs in between, then I recommend. There is some uh, coarse language in this week's episode. So if you are listening with kids, it might be a good idea to throw on uh, Barbie Princess Magic. And then once they're dropped off at daycare... Throw Art of Touring back on. Now let's take a moment to hear from this week's sponsor. Episode 81 is brought to you by Scorcher 6 Global Meltdown. Have you seen all the other Scorcher movies with Tug Speedman? Well, get ready to see another one. In 2013, when the Earth's rotation came to a halt, To come together. The world called on the one man who could make a difference. When it happened again, the world called on him once more. And no one saw it coming three more times. Now, the one man who made a difference five times before is about to make a difference again. Only this time, it's different. Who left the fridge open? Tug Speedman, Scorcher 6, Global Meltdown. Here we go again. Again. Just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen on your desktop, you can just Google Art of Touring and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Before we get into my conversation with Omega, uh, I'd like to share with you some of his music. This is a track called Here I Am. Check it out. (laughs) 
There you go, there's a little preview of Omega's uh, musical stylings. Very Pink Floyd vibe, I dig it. Now let's sit back and breathe it in. That's right, it's Sis Dog and Omega shooting the shit. Strap in and let's get loose. It's time for the art of touring to begin. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Art of Touring podcast. I'm sitting here in Siriani Studios this week, and sitting across, sitting across from me is singer-guitar player Omega. How are you, mate? Uh, yeah, pretty good, man. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. I was telling you earlier, my, my family's out at the moment, so my house is really quiet. Yeah. It was kind of freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> the cats don't make that much noise, so when there's no one in the house, it's, it's really odd. But I'm good. I'm good. Mm, had a pretty good day. I... Um, Oh, shit. I actually set up a wrestling ring this morning. Oh, shit. No way. Yeah. So that was fun. I've never done that before, and the opportunity came up to help out. So I thought, screw it. Yeah, well, that's uh, that something you don't do every day. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, um, yeah, tell me a story, mate. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, so, yeah, from Sunbury at the moment. Uh, grew up in Tallamarine, so about 10 minutes away. So pretty mm. been in the same area most of the time. Um, yeah, just been living around there, though. Most of the time. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so you have any brothers or sisters or? Yeah, I got one brother, uh, Shawnee. He's a pretty good musician himself. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's in a band called uh, Palace of the King. Oh, yeah, Palace of the King, sure. Yeah. Um, so he's doing a lot better than I am. Uh, how, uh, but you're the, the younger brother, yeah? Yeah, he's, he's a, oh shit, how old is he? He's a few, a few years older than me. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, who like introduced you guys to music growing up? Did you have a, a muso in the family or? No, nah, we're the with a blip on the radar. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No one in the family plays music. I think just when we were about, oh, he was probably five and just asked about piano lessons and he started and then mm. being a little brother and saying, "Oh, he's doing that." And I said, "I want to do that." You want to do that too? Um, so yeah, I started playing piano when I was about four or five. Yeah, decided that was not for me. Right. Uh, no, I hated it. Um, <laughs> All that classical music, uh, no, it wasn't for me, especially not back then. Sure. Um, and I said, yeah, just, I'd rather play guitar and stop after probably two years of piano and yeah, didn't play music for probably almost eight years after that when brother brought home a guitar one day and I was like, thank you. Uh, so a couple of years after that, I got some lessons and yeah, yeah, yeah next history. Oh, there you go. I have a similar story. My, my older brother, um, Paul, I'm one of three, so I'm the youngest. Um, oldest is Paul, um, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday, Paulie. Um, and my middle brother, Andy. Paulie was the muso. He played bass and um, always looked up to him, mm. you know, because um, he's, he's about five years older, six years older than me. Um, and just going through school, him playing bass in all the bands and that, it's like, oh, that's so cool. Mm. And he'd bring the bands home, like, to rehearse in the garage or whatever. So I was always around it, you know. Mm. Even though my mum was a guitar teacher, I didn't think it was cool until I saw my br older brother doing it. Yeah. I thought it was daggy that my mum was a guitar teacher. So I know. I, I wish I didn't. I wish I'd picked it up a lot sooner. But um, hopefully my, my kids won't think it's daggy. Hopefully they'll, they'll pick up an instrument soon. Yeah. But. 
We'll see how they go. Um, and so the guitar was calling to you, and so you started getting lessons on the guitar at a young age? Um, I was probably maybe 15 mm. when, when I first started, but uh, because my brother was playing guitar, uh, I thought I'd pick up bass so that way we could sort of jam together a bit more and, and yeah. start a band. So I started off on bass, and that was pretty good. Then uh, I broke a finger and was like, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? How did you break your finger? Uh, I was playing footy back then and just, just oh, kicked a kick. Um, so yeah. that kind of sidelined me for a couple of months, and I was like, no, nah, I've had enough of this. So I started playing with my um, first and fourth, first and third finger, so it was a bit weird doing that. When I came back, it was sort of a Steve Harris-style <laughs> triple, uh, triple finger bass line yeah. that I was going through. So I started off with bass and was just jamming with my brother for a little bit. Um, and then uh, one day I came along a video of uh, Richie Sambora from 1989. Yes. Playing Wanted Dead or Alive. I still remember it, seeing it for the first time live, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. This guy is amazing. Uh, <laughs> I just remember him strutting out on stage with a, a triple neck guitar. Yeah. Because two's not enough, so you need three. You need three. Starts shredding on a mandolin, and, <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. And then midway through, the song takes it off, rips out an electric, and starts soloing, and I was like, I want to do that. That's what you want to do. I want to do that. So I threw the bass out. I didn't throw it out, but went and grabbed my brother's guitar and started playing Learning One and Dead Alive, which is a pain in the ass for your first song. <laughs> <laughs> that intro took me oh, weeks to learn, I think. Just, just, I'd gotten the bass down well, but yeah, yeah. just using a pick and skipping strings was, oh, the, the, the size between, the difference between each string as well was just, yeah, blew me out. But yeah, once, once I heard that, I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah, and right then, on. Yeah, the rest of, yeah. Far out. Now I have a, kind of a similar story as well on that one as well I, I eventually when I did want to say oh look yeah I do kind of want to play guitar with about 15 16 years old I didn't actually go to my mum I actually went to my older brother because I knew he played guitar as well and I was like can you show me something on the guitar just anything mm. I want to learn how to play something and he didn't want to show me he's like fine here's an E minor 7 <laughs> this is the start of Purple Haze by you know Jimi Hendrix like, okay, so you got to put your finger on the fifth fret, and it's basically like a spider's web of fucking stuff. Like here, 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 and here, and you got to hold it all down. He didn't show me fucking just E minor yeah. with two fingers at the top of the you know neck, yeah. right in the middle. This is the hardest bloody you know finger position. You know, he was trying to put me off the guitar. I don't know yeah. why, but yeah. it didn't. I sat in my room all night just trying so hard to try to get him to sound like it actually sounded like a chord yeah as opposed to you know like that <laughs> eventually i got it but um yeah he didn't he didn't uh, sway me and started playing guitar but there you go man um and so when you started playing the guitar then did your did you form a band with your brother again where you after you'd hurt in your finger and you sort of got back into it or you didn't form a band with your brother? Um, no, nah, I didn't, didn't form a band with my brother. He was off doing another... Uh, he had a bunch of projects going at the time. Mm. Uh, so I didn't do any bands with him. Uh, it took me a couple of years to get my, my chops up. Yeah. Um, and then once I did, uh, a friend of his told me about a, a band that was looking for someone. <laughs> um, you may have heard of them. Called Stand and Deliver. They're mm -hmm. like an 80s cover band. Sure, yeah. Um, and I said, yeah, fuck it, I'll join them. Yeah. Um, so I went along to this rehearsal and yeah, the guy was blown away. Uh, so I toured with them for a while, which was pretty interesting. Uh, ended up just quitting straight out because uh, when he said 80s, I was thinking like Van Halen eruption and like guitar god stuff. Oh. But it was the whole uh, disco side and shit like walking like walk like an Egyptian and they had me doing dance moves and I was like, no. This is a bit different to what I was expecting. Yeah, and there was no creative freedom at all. Um, How old were you at this point? I was probably 19. Oh, okay, so straight out of school. Yeah, straight out of school. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah I was probably yeah. 19, 19, 20. Yeah. Uh, and the, yeah, there's just no creative freedom. So if I wanted to put like my own solo in, he's like, no, no, it's got to be exactly, exactly the same. The same. Um, even if I thought my guitar solo was better, personally. <laughs> <laughs> Won't say which song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and it was just... Oh. How long were you, were you with those guys? Uh, I was probably about a year. Okay. Yeah, I was probably there for a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. And But yeah, that was, that was, that was great. I mean pretty intense starting off like he called me on a tuesday and said yeah we got a gig saturday um here's 26 songs learn them all and i was like are you serious oh so i had to learn 26 songs in what three days four days yeah yeah and have a gig without a rehearsal um yeah, i remember rocking up and they're one of those guys that use like a, a backing track to what their band's playing with so yes there was a backing track which had like a, a rhythm guitar and a bass and there was no bass player. i was like oh shit huh yeah because i like vibing with the, the band members and stuff and to find out i was the only guitar player and 
that th- kind of threw me off. But there were some good gigs. They were pretty interesting. Um, so it was just so. What was the lineup of the band? There was a keyboard player. Oh, okay. A drummer. Yeah, and then me, and then two singers. Right. So it was still a full band, kind of just. But no bass. No bass. It was all programmed. All programmed. And I guess the keyboard player would kind of play the bass notes a little bit in the left hand there. Uh, a little bit he was, yeah. But most of it was pro. Okay, yeah. Most right, of it was programmed. Right. So that, that threw me off for the first gig, thinking, oh, oh, geez. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not having anyone else. Not having the bass player and then not having rehearsed with anyone. Mm. That was a, a bit uh, daunting. But uh, no, I got through it surprisingly well. Yeah. Uh, um, all 26 songs. Yeah. <laughs> where was the first gig? Oh, jeez. Where was it? Uh, somewhere in Frankston. I can tell you that much. Oh, okay. One of the one of the venues down there. Yeah, there was probably 250 people that rocked up to it as well, which is pretty decent turnout. Well, because Frankston's got that little kind of co- like that corner um, where there's like a pub Right there on the corner, then you across the street. There's another pub on the corner, and then an, and then I think another one on the other side of the corner, and then I think the other corner is is in a pub. But there's like three pubs all yeah. on one of the corners there. Yeah, it may have been one of those. Yeah, just you never know. A few years back now, so I can't remember what it was yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so it was there. Just there you go. Twenty six songs. Learn those. Program program bass guitar. <laughs> Yeah, pretty Far much. Far out, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, so it was, I mean, it was an interesting gig. And then, buddy, mm. our first gig is straight off the bat, straight out of high school. Oh, the amount of cougars that were there. Yeah, right. Jeez. They gave me um, sort of like a, an outfit I had to wear. Yes. A vest, not too dissimilar to what I'm wearing now. And sure. uh, said, no shirt allowed under it. Ah. Open vest. Yes. And mind you, I rock up. Long hair, look like I'm straight out of the 80s. And there's all these 50, 40, 50 year olds. <laughs> Just screaming, and about midway through the the first set, this one chick just high heels, massive mini skirt, old enough to be my mum, just chucks her leg straight up on stage, right in front of me, strokes her leg all the way up her thigh, just death stares me in the eye, and I'm like, <laughs> oh mind you, I'm 19, I'm fresh out of high school, so I'm like, holy shit, what is going on right now? What is going on? <laughs> and, then, and then we uh, we. Uh, I mean, props to her for having the, the balls sure, to do that. Yeah. But uh, we, we take our break after the first set. She climbs up on stage and talks to the, talks to the singer. Yeah. And I, I'm like, oh, shit, what the hell is she saying to her? And I, so I overlook here and uh, she's trying to find out if I'm single or anything like that. I'm like, yeah. fuck this. Guitar down. Run backstage. And uh, I'm not, not having her come anywhere near me. Uh, I mean, bless her soul, but she wasn't exactly my type. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> come back out, do the second set. And yeah, she's just brought a friend along now. Yeah. And you know, there's two of them just staring at me. And I was like, oh, fuck me. Jeez. So that was, <laughs> for a first gig uh, in New band, that was, a, that was a hell of a night. I'll say that much. Oh, dude, that's hilarious, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The cover band scene is just so wild at times. Yeah. You yeah, know, sure. um, there's, there's all, I mean, as soon as you add, you know, alcohol with, you know, loud music um, in an environment like that, there's always going to be, yeah, a bit of, you know, risque behavior by the punters. But, mm. you know, it's part of the fun. You know, I remember I did a, in my early 20s, where I was in a cover band and we, we had like a residency for a little while at Pug Mahone's. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like an Irish pub. And, um, I think, yeah, we actually got to play on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, wow. And that was mental because all of the expats would come to the Irish pub to get shit-faced. Yeah, yeah. You know, all the ones that are on holiday and even just all the Aussies that knew it was a wild night. Yeah. You know, go to an Irish pub on, you know, St. Patrick's Day. And they were giving out like these, um, like, stickers to kind of give to the punters. So we had a whole bag of stickers that just, I think they just had like, um, you know, four leaf clover on them or whatever, okay. you know, just like a little promo or some shit. Mm. And um, my bass player's like, you know, giving me the the elbow, hey, you know, put some stickers on her top. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, just put them like right on her chest. I dare you to put these two stickers right on her chest. And I'm like, eh, fuck it. Why not? You know? So I get these two stickers and just put woink, like right on this bird's chest. And... Um, I don't think I could have gotten away with that in any other situation. Yeah, how'd it go down? It, Chief was happy with it. <laughs> she was fine. They were all so shit-faced. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, mean, I probably could have gotten away with a lot more. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, Irish pub, St. Paddy's there. I think you can yeah, pretty yeah, much get away yeah. with anything there. That's so, it. Yeah. That's it. So, um, wow. So, you're, you're playing in Stand and Deliver. Um, you're doing 
uh, gigs with them for a whole year. Yeah, close to I think. Um, and did you, were those guys like touring like around Australia, or was it more like just rural areas in Melbourne and stuff um, like that? Yeah, they were doing uh, they were doing Australia. They were touring Australia. I mm-hmm. never I never did that. I quit before that happened. Um, okay, they had a stand and deliver A and a stand and deliver B. <laughs> Oh, right. So they had two bands, and they would gig at the same night. Yes. Under the same name. There uh, you go, the A and the B team. Yeah, so I was supposed to go into the A band, but I never did. Um, yeah. Yeah, he could just, he'd, he'd literally go, the manager would literally call me up like the day before a gig with more songs and stuff and be like, do you want to play this one? It's, it's in the A band, so you got to bring your A game. And I'm like, dude, you're going to give me 10 songs to learn in the night, like for in front of like, it was at like the Crown, oh, what? The Groove Bar at Crown as well. And mm-hmm. I'm like, geez, there's going to be a lot of people there. So I kept passing on him because he would just give me this set list like the night before. Yeah. Um, but then no, they tour Australia-wide. Quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, right on. And so um, you finish up your time with Stand and Deliver and because um, you were saying like it kind of was – it was a good experience because you kind of got your gig chops up. You yeah. know, you've exp- you're, you're playing to different crowds and, you know, you're having to learn a lot of songs on the fly. But it just because it wasn't really sitting well. No. No, it wasn't – yeah, it just wasn't enough creative freedom. And I thought, uh, cover's just not for me. Yeah, yeah. It's not 100%. So, yeah, after that I sort of said, no, nah, stuff it. Uh, I'll start writing my own stuff. And sure. That took me a year, a while. So, it was yeah, my songwriting was pretty – Shitty at first, <laughs> uh, pretty terrible. As, as, as everyone's is, man. No um, one just is born a great songwriter. Yeah, so it was probably another. I probably took a year, maybe a year and a half hiatus before gigging again. Yeah, uh, just because yeah, I didn't want to join another cover band, and I was just spending time writing and yeah, learning how to write songs and get some of that up. And after that, um, yeah, I started becoming a solo artist and thought I'll teach myself how to sing, which I did. Yeah. Um, and then I'll, yeah, get myself uh, some gigs as a solo artist and, and follow that path. And I've been doing that ever since. Nice. So probably the last yeah, three years I've been doing that now. And under the moniker of uh, Omega. Yeah. Yeah, right, right on, right on. Hmm. Um, and have you um, been able to record any of your material yet and release anything? Um- uh, yeah, so I released um, my debut single earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a little track called Here I Am was a pretty interesting song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I played every instrument on it except for the drums. Um, oh, right on. So it's about a... Uh, how long does it go for? It was written for a competition uh, for mental health awareness. Right. Um, it had to be around the topic of, you know, being there for someone. Sure, So yeah. I thought, well, here I am. That's a good title that relates to that. Mm. And I started writing the song. I wrote it on guitar first. It was about a three-minute song, just me and an acoustic guitar. Mm. And then I don't know what... No no idea what compelled me to go to the piano I've got at home. <laughs> I haven't played piano at this point for almost 16 years whoa and I sit down <laughs> I sit down I play a C chord and I'm like fuck that sounds good hey that sounds really good and I just don't know how it came about but sure. I just started playing something yeah and I'm like that sounds that sounds really dope I'm gonna keep that and then I taught myself how to play piano in about two months mm-hmm. uh, and I wrote the song and uh, took it into the studio and uh, having played uh, yeah bass acoustic electric organ a keyboard and I think I put a talk box on it as well. Yeah. Putting all those down, I had no idea how the song was going to sound until it was done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was laying the guitars down, um, vocals and keys, and the bass rolled down, and I was like, wait a minute, how long does this song go for? I had no idea at this point, because, but I was recording, and I was like, each take was taking me a long time, and the guy was like, oh, it's seven and a half minutes, and I was like, shit. Whoa. Oops. Um, but I think I dig it. It's a pretty cool sound. Um, yeah, man. It's a new sound. It's I couldn't tell you what it sounds like. Uh, who it sounds like mm. uh, it's got two guitar solos uh, towards the end there's an overlapping guitar solo of a, a talk box and then just my normal guitar yep um, but yeah I released that earlier this year and uh, 50% of the sales go to Beyond Blue oh that's really cool man yeah. nice so, yeah so that's up on uh, you can't stream it because of that yep um, stream sales just weren't enough to justify it nah, so you can check it out on Amazon or the iTunes store it's all up there awesome and yeah 50% of that all goes to straight to Beyond Blue Oh, that's a cool thing, man. Mm. Well, actually, I um, at the end of every, um, actually at the start, sorry, of every show, I play a little preview of um the artist who you know mm. I'm interviewing. So, with your permission, I'll um I'll play a little bit of that. Yeah, I'll be able to send you through it. That'd be great. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, okay, cool, man. And so, 
when you when you initially wrote it on the guitar, did you then translate or transpose the um, the chords that you had written on the guitar to the piano, or you actually started from scratch once you started playing the piano? No, I started from scratch. Okay, so did it? Does it sound anything <clears throat> like what you initially did? No, not at all. Not at all. Right, no. right. The, the initial song was actually called "The Hardest Part Is the Night," and uh, I found it recently on my phone in my voice memos. And uh, holy mm. shit, it's still a good song, but it's yeah, you couldn't tell. Some of the lyrics are the same. That's about that's about, about it. it. But uh, yeah. no, you could not tell it two were once the same song. Yeah, right. And mm. where did you record it? Uh, Medici Studios uh, down in Geelong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, a good friend of mine, Tim Henwood, uh, produced it for me, and uh, he gets me time down in the studio there. Nice, so nice. That's really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, from Palace of the King. Yeah, yeah. Former. Um, uh, alumni of the art of touring. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is he really? Yeah, yeah. He he um he was doing a um a stint as a guitar player at Her Majesty's Theatre for a musical um, about eight ten months ago, mm-hmm. um, and uh, were able to sort out a time where I was able to interview Tim for the show. Oh wow! Um, and yeah, he was great. Mm. Yeah, really great stories. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's been around the block a time or two. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so yeah, Art of Touring listeners, if you haven't listened to that one, check check that one out with Tim. Yeah. And if uh, you see him playing anywhere, if you see the hat that he's wearing, tell him he's a bastard because that was mine. And <laughs> Is that right? Uh, yeah, I remember I was playing a gig and uh, my brother passed it to him to try it on. He's yeah. like, "Fuck, man, I've never found a hat that fits my head properly." This is the one. He's like, "How much do you want for it?" And I'm like, "Ah, uh, yeah." Bastard, just have it. Just have it. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen it since. There uh, you go. Yeah, so now he's got that one now. And, uh, yeah. But he did me a favor and he lets me record for free. So hey, it's a good exchange. It's probably worth the hat, I believe. Yeah, it, what what he's done for me is worth more than what I could charge him for that hat. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's all right. You can have it. That's definitely a fair a fair exchange. Mm. Oh, right on. So um, uh, so did Tim produce that, that record, that song? Uh yeah, so Tim, actually, crap, I forgot. It was recorded at two different places. Originally, it was recorded at GM Sound mm-hmm. uh, in Camberfield. Uh, recorded it all there. Uh, got all the drums down and everything. Um, and then I took it to Tim to fix up my vocals because when I originally recorded it, I lost my voice. Right. <laughs> so the vocals were shit house. Yeah. Um, so I took it back up to him because I went, uh, I really wanted the, like, the idea of my brother playing it because he's an insane keyboard player. Yeah. Um, and there's an um, insane grand piano up there. Um, so I th- wanted to go up there and get, uh, redo the vocals, get my brother to play on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did play on it, but, uh, we decided to keep his keyboard player, uh, keyboard parts and mine on it at the same time and have his lower in the mix. So if oh, you listen nice. really closely, yeah, you'll hear this grand piano sort of chime in and chime out. Um, but all my original parts are still there. So yeah, originally GM sound and up to, up there to record it with Tim and uh, you got him to produce it and mix it and all that. Nice. Mm. Um, and so you were mentioning before that um, you were hoping to re- like release more material soon as well? Uh, yeah, so uh, December. I think December I'm going back into the studio. I've got about 15 songs worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to dwindle that down to 10, to an album's worth. Yeah. Uh, just trying to choose which ones to cut. It's going to be the, the pain in the ass. So Yeah, right. Yeah, because I like them all. So I'll probably go up, record maybe 11, 12 of them. Mm-hmm. And then from there, decide whether... Five are good. If five is good, then I'll have an EP. If I like all of them, then uh, I'll have an album. Yeah. And that'll be out early, early year. Yeah, early first three months of next year, I think. Well, that'll be a great turnaround if you can make it happen, man. Yeah. Um, and I do really hope that you are able to put it out as, as an album because, mm. um, you know, a, a lot of acts these days are doing like just the EPs and singles and stuff. And the album is just like, if you've got the body of work. Yeah then why not release it as an album? Yeah. Like we all grew up listening to albums, you know, EPs and singles are really only a, a modern thing where yeah. that's how people digest music now. However, however, all the idols that you were talking mm. about before, they all released albums, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. in the muso circles, it's like, yeah, man, release an album. Yeah. And that, that's what I, my sort of vibe around the, the reasoning is. Mm. I still remember going to buy albums and being like, oh, can't wait to chuck this on and having like an hour's worth of music to listen to rather yeah. than 20 minutes. You know, there's nothing worse than 20 minutes and then 
Where, more place. Yeah, more place. Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, I just bought an EP the other day, a digital EP, and it's four songs, one of which was already released three months ago, so yeah. I couldn't actually just buy the three that I didn't have. I had to re-download that song as well. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so this is four songs now. So I just add it to the playlist that I've got of that artist. Yeah. So I can kind of make an album out of, <laughs> out of the work, but it really isn't. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's... I mean, I got enough songs to make the album, so yeah, do it. I figure why not. Um, they yeah. all sort of it's all follows this sort of one theme as well. Um, so I figured, yeah, it works as a collective rather than if I split it up into two. So cool. if enough of them are good, yeah, then I think uh, then I'll definitely release it as, as an, an album. album. Um, and so you're recording it um, as a as as a live band. Mm. Um, is your hope to hopefully put it? Uh, like once you release it, actually get a band together to to gig the um the material that you're releasing. Um, well, this this album is actually going to be pretty different. It's going to head back to my roots as a songwriter, so it's going to be just an acoustic guitar and a piano. Okay, uh, maybe a violin or a cello in there. Yeah. Um, but then again, who knows? I might record and be like, actually, I can use a drummer and a bass player. Right. So, so you don't know. Just yeah. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's probably pretty open to creative freedom at the moment. But the initial plan is just an acoustic uh, album, which I'll tour for a few months. And sure, yeah. Yeah, might even head over to America for a little bit, tour over there. Yeah. Um, don't tell the IRS because they don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I might tour there for a few weeks in, in Australia, go around the country. Yeah. And then after that, I'll, I'll form a band. So anyone who's listening wants to join a band, hit me up. Hit you up. There you go. You heard it first here on The Art of Touring. Um, well, that sounds that sounds fantastic, dude. Um, mm. I hope I hope that um, that pans out really successfully, um, especially because I mean I, I know uh, releasing stuff independently, you never really know how it's going to go. Yeah, you know. Um, and so if you can gain some traction and, and you know do some shows, and especially if you do do like the acoustic thing. Um, that's a pretty easy sell for like a lot of acts to go like, oh, we'll just get it an acoustic opener. Yeah. Because in that way, we don't have to worry about paying a whole band and not have to worry about the logistics of a full band. Yeah. It's just one dude, mm. you know? Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cool vibe. I, introdu- I, I interviewed this dude, uh, Mike Alrington. Uh, he's a, he's a uh, blues um, solo uh, acoustic guitar and, and singer um and he just tours australia doing all the blues festivals and circuits and stuff and it's just him mm. oh wow you know and it just blows my mind it's like man that'd be like logistically really easy but yeah. also kind of lonely as well <laughs> you know? i guess you'd really have to be comfortable with your own um uh, uh company yeah you know mm. So there you go. Oh, that sounds great, man. So, well, yeah, that, that'll be coming out next next year, and um, you'll be touring that. Um, in in the lead up to the to that over the last you know three years that you've said um, you've been playing that, uh, doing the acoustic show. Um, has there ever been any um, like gigs like of like in in memory that you can kind of draw upon and go, oh man, yeah, that was a great show, or that was a really shit show. <laughs> like, <laughs> any any big standouts for you? Oh, there's been a few shit shows, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, my first couple of gigs were pretty terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my first gig, I mean, I'll learn a lot from it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my singing was definitely not up to scratch. Um, but no, I learned a lot from it. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could just, yeah, yeah, I, li- I got someone to record it and I heard back and yeah, my vocals were just very, I used the same sort of tone throughout the whole set. Okay. So I've learned now to sort of change that up and I changed my tone and depending on which song I'm, I'm singing. Sure. Uh, what was another, there was another gig. I remember the, the sound guy, fuck me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he was having a blast. I don't know what the hell he was doing behind that desk, but he wasn't having a blast. Uh, these days, I like to put a lot of uh, acoustic madness and, and guitar solos into my sets. Um, sure. Because I figure, why not? Um, Got to make it interesting somehow. And every time I'd go into a solo, he would just blast the volume up and it it was loud. Oh, too loud. Like, Jesus. Like, I'd flinch. Um, but mm. even then, like halfway through a, set, a song, it blast the guitar up and blast the vocals up. And it was just, yeah, it was very dynamic in what was happening with the sound. He wasn't keeping it level it was just yeah right all over the joint 
And that would have fucked you over yeah, like big time. Because yeah. that's all coming through the feet, fall back, and you're trying to perform, and the, the volume's going right up. Yeah. So I was, can't think of anything worse. <laughs> so that, was, <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting gig, that one for sure. Yeah. Um, just the sound was not, not on point. Um, yeah, that yeah, one. yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, the gigs haven't been too too interesting as of late, from what I can remember. Sure, yeah. Um, no, nothing, nothing crazy has happened from memory. Yeah, right. I right. may have forgotten a couple of nights, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, how did you go at Rockies? Because that's that's where we met. Yeah, um, no, that was great. I was a bit nervous going into that because mm-hmm. we had uh, oh crap, what were they called? There was that band that opened, whose name has forgotten me. So forgive me, guys, if you're listening. And no, then Ro- I don't remember their name either. Actually, yeah. it was something like um, it was one of those names where you're like, oh, of course, that's a great name for a band. Why hadn't I thought of that before? Because yeah. it was so clearly a great band name but i couldn't i can't remember yeah um so you because we you were on before them yeah no i was on after them oh you're on after them yeah so it was it was them me and then rocky and so oh right here's me in the middle an acoustic act just a guy and an acoustic guitar singing and uh, either side you've got a one the first band was playing like nirvana and real grungy heavy rock stuff Mm. and then rocky's you know that metal yeah metal stuff and then i'm like oh shit like am i gonna get booed off stage here because i was playing a couple you know like love songs and slow ballads and stuff and yeah, i'm like yeah right oh shit this isn't gonna be good but yeah, um, had it and it went okay though no it actually went real well i mean the crowd was surprisingly into it um, yeah nice yeah well, i mean i started off with a song that would just to confuse everyone has a better i think it's a two minute guitar intro so a little bit of a solo and then mm. a really long extended intro and i thought yep yeah, let's just make them wait to hear my voice. <laughs> uh, and then the first note I sang, they, they cheered and that was great. And uh, uh, when I played that, I had one love song in the set. When I played that, I saw a few lighters go up into the audience yeah. <laughs> and start to <laughs> side by side. So that was pretty funny to say I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I played Living on a Prayer because I thought that'd be a good way to, you know, introduce to the crowd. And uh, Sure, yeah. Yeah, well, they, I've never played that at a gig before and yeah, Jesus, they sang nice they sang really loud to that so that was good didn't have to do any of the chorus work so that helped me out <laughs> yeah yeah that's a bastard to sing that song <laughs> yeah i can sing it on a good day uh key change as well but if my voice is not 100 percent, no way and yeah. definitely not halfway through a set so i was there very thankful that they sang because i was yeah i was like shit if i don't sing i'm gonna i'm gonna fucking uh, break a ball or something because <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, it's so high. i was so very glad when they did um, oh that's that's great so now that one went really well cool that's cool mm. Now, I remember doing the cover band scene, the cover band um, scene thing. Um, uh, before I was a high school teacher, I just I just did singing teaching like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I'd do cover gigs on the weekend. Yeah, my voice was unbelievable. I could sing all night. Yeah, sure. Fucking no worries. As soon as I became a classroom music teacher, and I was talking to kids, and I was using my voice all day. Yeah. By the time I got to a gig on the weekend, I noticed a big difference in my voice. Didn't have as it was. It, I could still sing, but it wasn't as easy. Yeah, and it had a lot more strain to it. Like mm. I was like really having to keep hydrated a lot more. Like I, I wouldn't hydrate really that much, um, but now all I do is just drink water all the fucking yeah. time. Because especially if I've got a gig on the weekend and I've got to sing three sets of forty-five to drunk punters. Yeah, I know I'm going to have to, you know be a good boy during the week so I can actually uh, pull off the show. But it's funny you were mentioning, um, you know, doing long intros and guitar solos on acoustic because I've really been enjoying doing that this year. Um, I got myself, um, I bought it years ago, but I never actually taught myself how to use it until the start of the year, uh, like a little loop pedal. Oh, yeah. So I could, you know, lay down a little bit of rhythm and then do a solo over the top. Yeah. Um, And uh, I love doing that now. Yeah. I don't know why I would... Uh, in my mind, I, when I was doing covers gigs, I always thought, like, no, I've got to sing every song, mm. like, and not be too lazy with it, you know? Yeah. But now I'm like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> People will enjoy a solo as well as yeah. the chorus of the song, especially if they're really into it. Yeah. And if they're not, then you can just solo, and it doesn't matter because you're still getting paid at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. <laughs> So there you go. Oh shit! Oh, I'm glad that night went well. I couldn't. Um, I couldn't hang around. I had to come home. 
I knew I was able to do the the interview, um, but then I knew like cause by the time we'd done the interview and got everything done, I knew it was going to be too of a late, too much of a late night. Yeah. Um. So I couldn't hang around, but I'm glad it went really well. And Rocky was understanding, so um, it was a cool, it was a cool vibe. I actually, saw Rocky today. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. He was he was there putting the the um wrestling ring together. Oh sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I told him um you know we we're going to be. You know, having a catch up tonight on the Art of Touring. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I've been meaning to catch up with him soon because, uh, yeah, working on a song that uh, I want to do with him. So it's sort of a duo thing. Mm. Um, that'd be good to sort of get out. So I've been writing that for him. So. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah. Um. Oh, cool, man. And so, when you are going to put the um the the album together, you mentioned that you had like you know twelve or fifteen songs. You're going to whittle them down. Um, have you road tested those songs like at gigs, or are these still kind of studio kind of based songs at this time? Um, yes and no. Yes uh, and no. Some of them have been. Mm-hmm. Some of them have not been. Right. Uh, a few of those songs are pretty old. One of them. Oh shit. Two of them are within the first five songs I ever wrote. Okay. Actually, one of them, actually, I decided recently to make it more um, personal to put the first song, I, second song I ever written on that album. So that's going to yes. be, the, that'll be the, the closing track nice. of it. Um, that one's never been played at a gig. Only a few people have ever heard that one. Uh, so there's a few that have never, never been played before, never even heard before. Nice. Um, by no one. So... It'll be interesting to see how those ones go because yeah, yeah, I'm not even going to let anyone hear those. You want them to be a nice surprise for everyone, yeah. When they they actually get released, yeah. So on the record, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll probably throw like a listening party to the album, you know, after it's all done. Mm-hmm. Get some uh, opinions on it then, but mm. it will probably be too late to change anything then. So, well, that's an interesting concept, man. I mean, you could you could do like demos of all of them yeah and have like a pre-listening party like and yeah like maybe get some feedback from people which ones were your favorite tracks yeah because when you're in your own head writing songs and recording them like I'll, sometimes I'll, I'll like show people a song and they'll go yeah that's that's great that's mm. really good i'm like really i never really like that one yeah i like this one and yeah. they'll go yeah no nah, no nah. that's the song yeah well go, um, oh, okay yeah that's that, that, that was the case of one of the songs yeah I like it, but I don't like it. Sure. And it depends what day it is as to whether I like it or not. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, and I played it for a friend once and she's like, you're crazy. Like, mm. put that on the damn album. And I'm like, really? Yeah. And I'm like, I wasn't gonna, but uh, yeah, she sort of whittled me down and mm. it's going to go on there now. So, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, a chap kind of went on, but uh, nice. yeah, there's... Yeah, it's going to be an interesting album, I think. Mm. Mm. You mentioned that um, you know your bros in um, Palace of the King, and obviously Tim is um, going to be producing the record. Um, have you had a chance to play with those guys? Like, have they given you a support spot yet over the yeah. last few years? Or yeah, my first gig was actually opening for them. So they- oh, right on. <laughs> Yes. So they threw me a bone <laughs> straight a, away. A bone there. So that was my first gig, and uh, yeah, yeah, that that made the first gig that much more worrying because yeah yeah they're fucking great where, where was that gig at oh, was it the Brunny Brunswick Hotel oh the Brunswick yeah that was back there oh man I love that venue eh yeah no it's great they st- is that still going the Brunswick Hotel I think it closed down because they had a, a flood but I'm not sure if they're back open yet think, right yeah I think there's some complications so I'm not sure about okay, that okay yeah cool yeah because I wanted to return there that was a show them what I'm now but uh, yeah mm. no, that was a, a nervous first day knowing that they were following me. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, yeah, so they, I've played, and then when was it? Was it earlier this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these days festival. Um, I opened that. Was I opening? Yeah, I opened that for them as well. So they were on the lineup. Yeah. Um, they didn't throw me the bone that time. The the guy organizing the event got in con- contact with me. and Sure, yeah. So I got on the lineup for that as well, which was good. One of these days festival. Where was that held? Uh, the Bendigo Hotel in Collingwood. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That venue's kind of becoming a lot more like busy yeah. than it was, say, five years ago. Mm. And I think it has a lot to do with like the cherry closing and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, there's just... um, And it's a great room as well. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so we, there was two stages set up and there was sort of alternating. And But, uh, yeah. Where did they set up the second stage? Oh, gee, so <laughs> um, it was tiny. Like they were pretty much on... I think they were on the floor. So, like, oh. you're, like, eye level with them. Um, yeah, so it was, like, 
So where where the dance floor is, they would just have like the front of the stage be the second stage. Yeah, pretty much. And then when um, so huh. where, where the main stage is, there was mm. there was there, but then there's like this little nook to in front to the right of that stage. And oh, it was just in right, there. just in there. Yeah. <laughs> so fantastic. Yeah, so it was a little band set up there. And is that where they put you, or you're on the main? No, I was on the main stage. Oh, nice one, yeah. lucky. Yeah. yeah, no, I was not going there. On that tiny thing. <laughs> no. Yeah, the festival time slot is such like a difficult like mistress yeah you know because it depends on like the day that you're on or the time that you're on and who you're following or who you just you know who's after you and and who you're following obviously what i was trying to say um yeah it it can be really tricky yeah well it sort of worked out for me i was i was supposed to be later in the night Mm -hmm. but um for some reason the band that was on first uh said oh we can't make it there that time Mm. does anyone want to swap Uh, and i was Oh, so I was originally supposed to be on the smaller stage and then I got offered the opening slot and I was like, mm. it's a bit early, there won't be as many people, but it's the big stage. I'll take it. Nice. And then, yeah, this like four or five piece band got crammed into this tiny little corner and I was like, nah, jeez, why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Those poor bastards. And they would, have seen, they would have seen me up on this massive stage like, oh, this guy. This guy. <laughs> Who's in charge of this decision? So, no, that worked out pretty well for me. I said, I don't care if I'm early. I'll take the big stage. Well, I mean, like you said, like it was it was up for grabs, you yeah. know. You, you'd be silly not to take it. So, no, that's a cool vibe. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you've been able to play, um, you know, with Palace um, and support them. Because, um, yeah, like you were saying, they're a great band. And, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's cool to know that um, uh, when you are putting yourself out there for the first time, yeah. that you're brother and like your mates kind of have come are coming to the party for you yeah that's really nice they don't they don't have to do that no like at all no you know like i i know friends in big bands and i've never played with them yeah you know um and it's like come on man Mm. throw us a spot (laughs) what's the big deal yeah you know um uh, and so that's like m- m- when, when i'm putting together a show i'm very much aware of that yeah and I try to be, you know, open to booking bands that, you know, may not get as much exposure that I feel like they should be getting. Yeah. You know, or you know, or whatever. Mm. You know. So um, yeah, I'm I'm always really um really happy to to hear when when people are giving support spots to to people, um, you know, because if you don't you know support each other yeah that's what's, the the, what's the point yeah and you know you gotta like make it easier for other musicians to help each other out because otherwise you know it's a tough business to get into and dude everyone wants these bloody cover bands these days so fuck them off and <laughs> yeah man. give it back to us original artists give yeah, us a chance yeah 100 yeah. yeah oh wow yeah. dude i think um i think i think we've covered everything yeah how do you feel about it yeah no pretty good good Thanks. good yeah. No, that was a really good chat. I think mm. um, before we do finish up, I'd like to ask you um, uh, if people do want to hear more from you, um, uh, how can they follow you? Uh, is it Omega at like Instagram, Facebook, that kind of thing? Uh, Instagrams are most active. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit on Facebook. You won't get as much there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's at Carl Johnson Omega. So it's Carl with a C mm-hmm. and uh, J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N Omega. Yeah. You'll find me on Instagram. You can check me out there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely be posting about the album and stuff in the coming months beautiful and i think it's the same for facebook as well cool mm. yeah thanks for coming in carl no thanks for having me bud i hope to see the album succeed and um see you touring really really soon because um like i said it's it's an admirable thing that you're doing yeah putting yourself out there mm. and getting a, a record off the ground because it's not easy yeah you know and um We'll see you on the road. Oh, that's why I just I like to think of it as uh, right music that I like, and I just hope others will too. Perfect. Mm. <laughs> see you later, brother. All right. Cheers, man. See Ciao. You. And that's a wrap, Sizzlers. 
episode 81 in the bag. Thanks for listening. If you did like this episode, give the podcast a share on social media. Use the hashtag Art of Touring Podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Touring Podcast. If you are a first-time listener to the pod, uh, I hope you come on back each and every week and keep listening. I do have a new guest each week. So you are more than welcome to join the Art of Touring family by becoming a regular listener. I'd love to have you on board. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with me, please do email me directly at artofdrinkpodcast at gmail.com um, or you can slide into the DMs on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, maybe you'd like to come on the show. If you're a touring musician or a performer or even a wrestler, please hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. Um, you can listen to Art of Touring on Wooshka and you can download it on iTunes and Google Play and Spotify. If you have enjoyed this episode, or any of the episodes, really, please just take a minute to give the podcast a rating and a review within the podcast app on your smartphone. And stick around next week for another episode. I release them every week for free, so get on in on the regular. Now, let's take a moment to hear some plugs. On Saturday, December 14th at the Corner Hotel, I will be playing Pearl Jam's Greatest Hits with a super group of musicians, including members from the Passouts, Warbirds. Uh, joining us on the night will be Melbourne's own Foo Fighters and Nirvana tribute band, Foo Vana. Uh, they'll be opening up at about 9 o'clock till about 9.50 and then we'll be hitting the stage at around 10 past 10, about 20 past 10 maybe and we'll be playing until after midnight, two full sets of classic Pearl Jam hits. Tickets are available right now from the Corner website or you can just follow the passouts um, on Facebook and go to the events section and click through the links to grab your tickets right now. That's all from me this week. Before I go, I do have a few shout-outs. Shout-out to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. You can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. Big thanks to my guest this week, Omega. You can follow his journey on his Instagram and Facebook pages. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of The Art of Touring with a Sizz Dog. Oh, wow, wow. And remember this week's podcast was brought to you by Scorcher 6 Global Meltdown. Come and see Tug Speedman hang on to his aging action hero gimmick one last time.